You see that? What is, what is this? The lost sheep leaving the 99, going after the one. When, when you, what do you, what do you, what do you look at it now? What do you, what do you see? He's hanging on. Yeah, when I first looked at it, you think you want to lay it down. But it's actually right because it's on the, like the edge of a cliff, right? And you see the shepherd hanging on with one hand up here, reaching for the sheep. Do you see the bird? Huh? Yeah, I, somebody said, I, yeah, I first thought it was an eagle. Somebody, it's not an eagle. Somebody said, it's a dove. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not a dove. Huh? A turkey vulture. Yeah, is that, is that, that, that's kind of like a, that's a souped up name for a buzzard, right? Yeah. If, we, if we see them on the, on the farm, they're a buzzard, but if they're in the town, they're a turkey vulture. Yeah, the, the, pre, the, the artist, it's a vulture. It's, it's, a, it's a buzzard, it's a vulture. I, I don't, I'm not, vulture sounds bad or something, I don't know, buzzard. But, but the, you get the implication that the, the shepherd is rescuing the sheep, but if the shepherd's not there to rescue the sheep, the buzzard is. Exactly right, Adam. Keep that picture in your, in your mind because we're, we're, we're kind of making our way through Matthew and we're on the 18th chapter this morning. So if you'll go with me there, we're, we're, we're the 18th chapter and we're gonna be coming back to Luke, there's a parallel, one of those parallel passages in Luke 15 where uh, Luke is, is telling uh, also about the, the parable of the lost sheep. And, and he adds uh, a, a, the perspective a little bit, especially more of, as far as setting the, 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 setting the stage for what happens. In Matthew 18, though, I want to just quickly run through this because last Sunday morning we were taking a look at the first few verses of Matthew 18, uh, and we talked about the way to greatness in the kingdom of heaven. And the reason we, we talked, the reason we talked about it, it was so exciting to me, is because the world's ideal, and oftentimes the world's opinion is that the way to greatness is you wake, make your way up. And Jesus' concept was right the opposite. When the disciples were arguing among themselves about who was gonna be greatest in the kingdom, Jesus brings a little child sets him down in the midst. Actually, Mark tells us that he takes him in his arms and, uh, and he, he, he says, now, if you really want to be great, you got to become like this little child or you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus was saying the way to greatness is through going down. It's by serving. It's becoming servant of all. I want to just pick up in verse five of, of Matthew 18 and just read some here, comment occasionally, then we're going to Luke. And Jesus, still with the little child there, says, And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. But whoever offends one of these little ones which believe in me, it would be better that if a millstone was hanging around his neck and he was thrown into the depths of the sea. Now remember I commented, we commented last week that, that for the Jews, drowning was, um, they didn't, that, 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 uh, that, was, that was horrible and horrible and horrible. At the time Jesus uttered these words, of some countries, Rome would, uh, drowning was one form of execution that they would use. They would tie a heavy weight around the person, the victim's uh, neck and cast them into the sea and they were drowned. It was horrible. Jesus was trying to show or was wanting to show how serious it was to 
bring offense to a young child or to cause a young child to go astray, to believe something that wasn't the truth. And by the way, I really appreciate, uh, I, I was talking with, with those who were working in our after, after school clubs and, uh, and first service this morning, we had Marvin and Margaret Gong from Tacoa were up and, uh, with Child Evangelism Fellowship just dropping in to say hello and encourage you. And it was exciting to me. So Jesus continues and uh, he says, whoever, woe unto the world, he says in verse 7, because of offenses. Offense, offenses are going to come, but woe to those who cause them. Verse 8, he says, wherefore, if your hand or your foot offends you, Cut them off and cast them from you. It'd be better for you to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast in everlasting fire. And if your eye offends you, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Boy, I, I put a dog bone. Remember, uh, who, was a, who was a missionary there from Florida? Cowboy? Dun Gordy. Remember Dun Gordy said there were some passages he would just draw a bone out from. That meant he's chewing on those. Uh, what's, what's Jesus saying here? Uh, we, Barbie and I, when we left the ministry in San Francisco, we hadn't been home very long at all. And um, got word that one of the, one of the young men in, in the ministry there, great young man, um, he wasn't off the deep end or anything, but he had, he had taken a, a kitchen butcher knife and had, had cut off his right hand. They found him before he bled, before he bled out and was able to, to save his life and, and actually was able to reattach his hand by some miraculous and by God intervening. And uh, he's grown today. But he had read these verses. And I, and I think a lot of times Satan misuses, tries to misuse Scripture. He did that with Jesus in the wilderness. Remember how Satan would try to misuse Scripture? And I think what Jesus is saying here is that he wants us to deal seriously with sin in our lives. That's what he's saying. He's not wanting you to, I don't believe, he's wanting you to advocate and go to cut your hand off or to gouge your eye out. He's really advocating how do we need to deal seriously and take sin seriously in our life. He goes on. Verse 10, he says, take heed that you not, do not despise one of the little ones for, he says, in heaven their angels are always before the Father. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And then verse 12, 13 and 14, uh, verse 12, he says, How thank you if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them is gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and goes into the mountains and seeks that which has gone astray? That's the picture. And if so be he find it, verily I say he rejoices more over that sheep than of the ninety nine which did not go astray. Even so it's not the will of your Father which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Turn with me over to uh, Luke, Luke 15. Luke gives us a little bit more of a, he, he, sets, he sets a little bit of the stage here. In Luke 15, he says that there drew near to Jesus publicans and sinners to hear what Jesus had to say. Publicans were the, the tax collectors that worked for the Romans, uh, that contracted for the Romans to collect the taxes, and they lived off of whatever else they could collect from their brothers and their, their, their countrymen. They weren't liked at all. They, they, were, they were despised. They were seen as traitors. And so here we say that 
the publicans and the sinners came to listen to Jesus. Jesus had a message of hope for the hopeless. He had a message of value for those who were seen as the outcast of society, those that nobody else had time for, those that, those that everybody else would, would stay away from. So they came to hear what Jesus had to say. And the second verse says that the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, murmured, or they talked under their breath. And what were they saying? This man is receiving sinners and even eats with them? They were, basically, they were saying, how could he even claim to be the Messiah when he, look who he hangs out with. Look at, look at all, look at, look at the trash. The trash. And, it, and, and this confirms their thinking. It's just not just here. You remember, you remember when Mary would come to, and she, uh, she, uh, she washed his feet. Remember this? And, and dried them with her hair. And you remember what the scribes and Pharisees said at the time? They said, he's supposed to be a prophet. If he's a prophet, don't he know that she's a harlot? She, she is a, she's a cheap woman. If he was a prophet, he'd know that. And he'd put her in her place. And her place is not in here with all us good folk. It's out there. That's what they were thinking. Remember? So here, the religious leaders were just, man, they were just couldn't believe it. Can't believe, look at this. You, you, you want us to follow you as a great teacher of God and, and, and religious leader, and you're, you're, you're out here hobnobbing and keeping company and even going to the houses of Zacchaeus, even going to the house of, he was, you know, going to the house of, of Levi, you're eating with him? It's in that context, and keep that in mind now, that Jesus then says, tells them this parable. And he says to them in verse in verse. Verse 3, and he spoke this parable to them. It was in this context of those that were there. Here you've got the sinners and the publicans, despised, rejected, people not wanting to associate with them. You've probably got those others that's giving them plenty of room. They're not wanting to get a bit, touch them. Don't touch them. You remember, like, remember when you had them in your school and, and you had girl cooties? <laughs> Boy, that was a lie. We learned different than that later on, didn't we? But, but remember, you just don't touch. If you touched a girl, you had cooties. Or if you touched a boy, you had, you know, it was just unclean. And so they were just unclean. And then Jesus looks at them and notice what he says. What, he asks them a question. He starts off by asking them a question. What man of you has a hundred sheep and if he loses one of the sheep, doesn't he leave the 99 in the wilderness and goes after that which was lost until he finds it? He asks them this question. And, I, and I'm thinking, no. Dummy, nobody goes after this lost sheep. If you've got a hundred sheep and, 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 you've, and you know them, you've counted them, they've come in, they're getting them ready to put them up for the night and, and they're coming, you're trying to get them in a safe place and you've counted them. And you get to 98, 99, and that hundredth one's gone. What do you do? The first thing you do is you recount, right? First thing you do is say, oh man, I missed one. And you go back over and you got them in there and you're looking around and you're looking around. It's old flop ears. Flop ears is not here. I mean, if you have cows, a lot of you have cows, you know them, right? You have names for them. Some people number them. They're, they're rich or they never would misbehave. They're like the good cows. But others, others you have numbers, you know. Old Bali over there is always balling, you know. Or you got, you got spot, you got spot. 
And, and, and so here the shepherd counts them, and no, flop ears is gone. Flop ears are not here. And, he, and, and we have come kind of, 99 out of 100 is not bad, right? I mean, you know, flop ears been getting to the edge of the, edge of the flock all the time, been trying to get him back in there, and he's, all, he's, you know, he's a little bit stubborn, got a mind of his own, and I've, I've you know, I've whacked him with the rod a time or two to try to get him, and he's not here. Well, it's his own fault. I got 99. I'll be content with the 99 I got. That's not how Jesus is. I got, I got a piece of coconut in my mouth. Let me get that out. I'm, I'm chewing on it, trying to swallow I'm, I'm talking like this. I'll be preaching like this piece of coconut. It was one of Rodney's cookies. I'll blame that on Rodney. Now, I don't know a lot about sheep. I've never, I've, never, I've never been around sheep. Some of you have. Some of you have grown sheep. You've raised sheep. A lot of you have cows and still have cattle. The extent of my farming right now currently is I'm a, I'm a chicken farmer. All right? Um, and so what I'm relating to the last few days, I'm, I'm thinking this in terms of chickens. And this time, let me tell you a little bit of my experience with our chickens. Now, we, at one point, I kind of got up and I was trying to get, you know, maybe about 20 hens, and, and we did that. And then the coyotes thought they'd thin them down a little bit. Went in feathers everywhere, uh, you know, yard laying full of dead chickens. And so Barbie wouldn't cook them, so I had to bury them. I know, I, I was just messing with you. I really wouldn't have either, but anyway, I asked her. And uh, then I got some more. And, 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 I, and what I do is put the chickens up at night and let them go and roost. And we got places, you know, feed them and they lay eggs. And Skip Fletcher, you, you helped me. You, know, you, brought, you had chickens up in West Virginia and came down and Virginia. You're not walking sideways like a West Virginia guy. It's Virginia. Uh, so uh, I put them up and then of the day, we'll open, the, get, open the, the pen and the chickens can roam out. And then along toward evening, and me or Barbie or somebody, I'll go put them up. Right behind our chicken pen is uh, the branch runs down and swampy it's swampy and uh, the number of times especially when they're young you know you're training the young young chickens and I'd, I'd go up and long toward the evening they'd, they'd come back up toward the pen and I'll holler at them you know and get them to come up and, and so I can feed them change and be sure they're all there <clears throat> had this one chicken all the rest of them would be up there close by, and I'd holler at them and rattle the, the, the feed, and here they'd come, and I'd, they'd just go in. And this one chicken was not there. Yeah. And, 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 and I would and, and go down in the swamp, battle the chiggers, take a stick to move so you could not step on a snake, get in black mud. And the number of times they've not been there when I was in a hurry, either to come to, to a service at church or something, and that dadgum chicken down in there. And I'd go down in there, and, and I wasn't pleasant, and I'd try to find the chicken. And if I get close enough, if I could find the chicken, get her headed toward the pen, if I get close enough, I'd whack her. Get in there, you know. That's what you get for being out down here. But I'm, but I'm thinking, it wasn't with joy, it wasn't with pleasure, to, to, to leave the rest of them up there, go down there and get that, that bird brain that wasn't even up there. And Jesus is saying to, these, to, to this parable, and there's, there's three things. We, we see it, we know it, we've seen the picture, but there's three things that just stand out to me that I, I, we, I don't want us to miss in this story he's saying to them. 
And the first one is, is, is obviously, it's, it's easy. It's, it's that the shepherd, first of all, the shepherd, he knows his flock, just like you know which, which one's not there, and the one that's not there, and he realizes it's, it's, it's not there. And so the first thing that stands out to me is in the heart of the shepherd, <clears throat> every sheep is of great value. Every sheep is of great value. Remember, I said, for those chickens, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, you know, well, I got her up there this time, but next time, and I'm, I'm thinking when they're out during the day, if the foxes get one, I'm thinking, Look, get that dad Jim one, you know? <laughs> Coyotes and fox never bother that one. They'll pick all the whole flock. She'll still be you know, ramming around. Don't do that. <clears throat> but of every sheep is of great value. And it shows us the heart of the father. I'm, William Barclay, in one of his commentaries, wrote this story, and I thought it was great. Uh, it's, it's dated, if, if you know William Barclay's uh, 19th century, or last century, and he was writing this. <clears throat> he said a young doctor was backpacking across Europe. And he had traveled for several weeks and much of, much of the way by foot. So from his outward appearances, he looked like a bum. He hadn't shaved. His hair was long and matted. His clothes were dirty and torn. And for some reason, he became seriously sick. And a couple of strangers found him lying half conscious by the side of the road and got him to a hospital. The attending physicians examined him, shook their heads. One looked at the other and whispered in Latin. What a worthless bloke. We'd do him a favor to let him die. The young doctor laying on the table understood every word. He looked up and replied back in Latin. Never call a man worthless for whom Christ has died. Wow. The, king, the kingdom of heaven is like that. You know, Preachers, you've heard preachers, and, and we're notorious for saying, you know, if, if, if I had been the only sinner in the world, Jesus would still have come and died on the cross for me. And I think sometimes people look and say, well, that sounds good. Preachers are supposed to say things like that, but that's ridiculous to think that way. No, I think this, I think this story, this parable that Jesus is telling them confirms and reaffirms, if there was ever any doubt, that the good shepherd, the good shepherd is not willing for one sheep to go missing. He leaves. Now, it's not like he left, left them unattended or he left them in danger. He, he, the, the, the wording is here is that he left them in the place where they were provided. There was food, there was water, and some sort of shelter. But he went looking. Every sheep has value. The second thing here is, is to me is this, is that this sheep was a part of the flock. Now, I know... As we look at this parable, uh, Matthew talks about, uh, or, or Luke here talks about, says that, that, that in, in heaven there's joy over one sinner that repenteth. And, and there's, there's, uh, uh, there's, there's uh, implications and there's applications there that, that Jesus, you know, that this is looking and seeking those that have never been saved. There's a song that, uh, that I think some of the guys in the choir, the choir sings, he came looking for me, Right? He came looking for me. And, and, and he tells us, he tells us in Matthew, he says, because it's not his will that any should perish. Every one of you, every one of us are of great value to the Lord. Now, today that stands in, in, a, in stark contrast a lot of times to what the world says. 
But remember, Satan is a liar and a father of lies. Satan loves to come and tell you, say, you know what? You, you've lost your value. You're not, you're not worth anything now. You're not worth anything to, to your family now. You're not worth anything to the church now. You're not worth anything to the community now. They wouldn't, even, you, they wouldn't even miss you if you were gone. Matter of fact, they'd be better off. And he comes lying to us. Every sheep is of great value, and every sheep is of great value because we belong to him. We belong to him. So when you talk about one sheep being gone, it affects the other sheep. Um, when you're not here, again, I was talking to a, a couple recently, and I said, man, I, you know, I don't want to get in your business, I don't, I, I, and I sure don't want to be nosy, but I've missed you. And, uh, and we talked for a while, and, and the lady said, it's good to be missed. It's good to be missed. And I thought about it. A lot of you, a lot, sometimes a lot of y'all have said to me, you said, uh, well, when we were out, so-and-so called us and wanted to know if we was okay. See, you are of great value. And you're of great value in, in, the, in this body of believers. You're of great value in God's family. You're of great value to our, to our Savior, to our shepherd, Jesus Christ. You're of great value to him. I... Uh, Heard, a, heard of a husband once, his, his wife had, had passed away. And he said, it's, it's not only that I've lost her, but he said, I'm lost without her. Wow. I, I, I thought about that and I thought, you know what, the, the, the closer we are, the closer you are to somebody, the closer you are in, 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 in flock or in family, the more significant that becomes. You, you remember when they put missing children's pictures on the on milk carton? Remember that? I, I can remember that. And I can remember, I, I, you know, I, I would look and I would see, uh, and here's a picture of a little boy. And I, would, I, and, I, and I might whisper and say, Lord, you know, help him find this little boy. You know, he's, he's somebody's little boy. And I would, I would remember that and then, and then I'd, the carton and I would forget it. Last night, Paige called, uh, up, is, is, is up close to 10 o'clock, I think, when I sent out the one call about this 11-year-old girl. And we sent out the call, and Barbie and I were sitting on the couch, and, and we prayed, and Barbie said, you know, what if that was our 11-year-old granddaughter? Are we praying like it was her? Would we, are we valuing the prayers like we would want everybody praying? Makes a difference. I'll, I'll tell you, Zach and Nicole celebrated their Cole, which anniversary was it? Don't look at Zach. I, I, I didn't ask him. There's a reason I didn't ask him. <laughs> Seventh. So there's a reason I, I don't ask the men that anymore. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I don't want them. I asked Barbie. Honey, this is a great anniversary. Which one was it? No. They just celebrated their seventh anniversary. And, and back in the end of June, uh, we got a few days, and, and so Barbie and I got to, with Paige and, and Tony and Zach and Nicole, we got to go camping up in, in Cherokee. Now, it's, kind of, it's the first time that we've all been camping like that. Well, Zach had, had seen the shack, and, uh, you know, we'd read the book, and so we were talking about that, the importance, you know, of keeping the kids. It was the first day, I promise you, this was the first day there. We, were, we had left the campsite <clears throat> for some reason, Zach and I had, and we went to do something. And we drove back up, and we drove back into the campsite, and, the, and somebody came running toward us. We were still in the vehicle. And they said, Taylor's gone. And immediately, it was like 
it was like super hyper action taken. Zach was, he was ready to go down to the, to the entrance of the, of the campground. Nobody's getting in or out of here. I guarantee you that, you know, till, I mean, it was, and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to say, oh, Zach, just wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. And I mean, it was just instant action. Everybody going everywhere. And just in a few, just in a couple of three or four minutes, uh, Taylor was rediscovered and uh, she had just got misplaced. But I thought, wow. And, and oh, now listen, and it's great. He's, he, we've come a long way. He didn't even beat her. <laughs> Taylor, for those of you who don't know, Taylor is four. She's, got, she's fixing to turn five here in August. And, uh, and she just loves life. But it was, it, you know, so it, was, it, was that, it was that immediate, one's not here, we got to do something. Can you, you sense that, right? Especially if it's you and all those things. Can you imagine the heart of our shepherd? Can you imagine the heart of a savior? Thomas, that all of a sudden gets that anxious about one of his sheep when they're not here, when they're not, when they're not where they need to be, when they're not with the flock, when they're out, lost, wandering around, caring what's going on. That's why we, that's why, man, that's why we, we, we don't give up on those who have dropped out or those who have wandered or strayed. And there's a lot of piece, reasons that people can stray or can drop out kind of fellowship or out of the flock. I mean, some people, some people get discouraged and they just, you know, they just, they'll miss a couple of Sundays. Nobody will call or miss them. And I know I, I was telling this couple last, this week, I said, you know what? I'm sure a lot of people miss you, but a lot of times people are gone and we think, well, they're on vacation, you know, and, and, uh, we didn't know it. We didn't hear anything. So we didn't hear they broke a leg or, you know, or they got hit with a frying pan, you know, or if, if it's their own frying pan. So, we, you know, you, you just don't want to be nosy. And maybe there's different reasons. Sometimes people, they, they get hurt or they get wounded um, and they say nothing and you don't know that. And they just drop out. For whatever reasons, people drop out. But I read this and I think it, to me, it says it's about sheep. But boy, the application is true with people. Listen to what a, what a commentary said about sheep. He said, sheep tend to nibble themselves lost. Listen to this. They graze from one turf of grass to the next all day long with their heads down. And when they look up, they don't know where they are or how they got there. And they certainly don't know how to get back to the flock. It's not that they're particularly stubborn, 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 I can't even say that, stubborn or rebellious or stupid. It's simply their nature. Sheep stray, and when they do, they get lost. Wow. Doesn't just apply to sheep. Now we know why Scripture so often compares us to sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid upon him Christ the iniquity of us all and the good shepherd goes looking and bringing them back I was, I was thinking about that and I thought Lord you know what I'm thinking about that acceptable what is that acceptable loss ratio Tim you would know what that is I don't know it's probably so much food that's going to get ruined or spoiled and that's okay as long as it's too much I don't know what it is <clears throat> I'm thinking about in the sheep and I'm thinking about chickens, okay? Especially I'm thinking about, well, if I've got, if I've got 15, that's okay. 
And if one's not here, especially if it's, the, if it's a speckled one. If it's a speckled one, I'm just going to say, God, she, your will be done. And shut the gate and go home. You know, just go home. Leave it to, leave it to, to the good Lord and the foxes and the whatever else is out there at night with that. But I'm thinking, 99 out of 100 is not bad. But I look at this story and I see the heart of a shepherd who's not willing that any should be lost. And I'm saying, as a church, that probably needs to be our heart. I never need to be content with 99 that are here, but I need to be burdened and active about seeking the one that's not here, that's lost. Wow. Let me, let me read the rest of the story. There's, let's finish it up here. We've got to be through in time for the Burgesses and eat a snack and get hungry. Verse 5 of Luke says... <clears throat> And he goes looking for the lost one. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Now, again, being really honest, I, we used to have Coach Birchfield. He's gone home to be with the Lord now, Mickey Birchfield. And, and uh, football coach, coach girls basketball for a little while, but Mickey would say, he had to say, and he'd say, now, if I've ever told the truth, this is it. And, and uh, I, I, I think I know what he was wanting to say, but it always made you wonder. <laughs> <laughs> always made you wonder. So, so here's, here's, here's the, the gist of this. At the end of the story, now, if we're really honest, there, there's a part of us that kind of wishes Jesus would have said, you know, kind of like I was with a hen. If you get close enough with a stick, whack it and say, you, you dummy, you're going to get killed. Get in the pen. I ain't coming out here looking, after, looking for you every time. And there, is a, there was a reminder after first service, a person came up and said, you need to tell them that if the sheep keeps doing this, that oftentimes the shepherd would what? Break the leg. And he would do it in love. He would take his, he would take his staff, his rod. He would, he would break the, the lamb's leg, set it, bind it back, and he would carry the lamb. But the, but the lamb had to be carried till his leg mended. And the, the, what I've read was that, that it would be during that time that the lamb would develop such a close attachment to the shepherd that when his leg was, was mended, he wouldn't wander away again. But for this for this, you know, I'm, I'm looking at verse 5. He found that sheep, whacked it on the leg, bound it up. He did, it doesn't say that here. Now, look at what he says. He says when he finds it, what does he do? He puts it on his shoulders. That poor sheep is so tired. It's tired from wandering. Own fault, right? It's his own fault. That poor sheep is so tired, can't make another step. Come on, let me... Carry is the shepherd tired? Yeah. If I've been down in the swamp getting black mud all over me to find a dad Jim Hen, and I'm going to go find her and pick her up and pet her and say, "You precious little thing, come on." I, the rest of the the rest of the chickens are on the roost. I'm going to take you over to the house. You'll stay in the house with Barbie and me tonight, and I'll get you something good to eat. Why you got to be kidding me? You can see, not the heart of a shepherd that I've got, but the heart of the shepherd we've got is that when he finds us and we're tired and we're weary and we're lost and we don't know how to get back to the flock and when we're wandering and astray, he picks us up and puts us on his shoulders and said, let me carry you. Wow. 
Wow. What a Savior we've got, and he knows those times that he carries us. I'm just, I get, oh, oh, that's what a Savior we've got. And we need to remember that. That's the song they sang this morning. We remember how he found us. We remember how he called our name. Craig, go back to the picture again. I, I, he's, just, he's just one request away from doing this. It's awesome. If, if you look, look at the sheep. You see the sheep? Now, I, I, t- again, great. I remember Claude and Dorothy had this picture hanging up, and I remember seeing it. Uh, Larry and Cheryl, you remember th- they had this picture there? The sheep, if I had been drawing this, I, I, would, I would have made it a little bitty sheep, like a young sheep. This looks like a big old fat sheep, like me, right? I'm, I'm, it's not like a little bitty sheep that don't know any difference. It's like a big, fat, dumb sheep that's, that's just, he's eat all he wants to and he's wandered, wandered away. But look at his, look at it. his eyes are looking at the shepherd. And it's almost like this sheep that's caught can't get anywhere, and, 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 and he hears the voice of the shepherd, and he turns and he looks, and in his eyes, if you could, if you could see in the eyes, you see that, that recognition, you see that hope, you see that he's found me. He came looking for me. The vultures were there. Death was there. Tragedy was there. Heartache was there. Despair was there. It was all there. But he, the shepherd, has come looking for me, and he didn't give up, and he didn't quit. This morning, first service, uh, I asked him, I was talking about this, and Joyce Stewart made a a great, she said, uh, she said, it's totally, when he said, what what shepherd has 99 in the flock and wouldn't leave them to go find one? She said, it's totally ridiculous and, and irresponsible and unthinkable for a shepherd to go, to leave 99 and go look for one until I'm the one. Right? Right? Yeah. Now, I, want, I just tell you, I want to relate to the, to the shepherd. I want to have the heart of the shepherd in the story. But every time I'd read this, the Lord's speaking to me, and he said, no, you're the sheep, man. You're the sheep that's prone to wonder. And I'm saying, Lord, I can name you a lot of other people that wonder more than I do. Well, can I tell you them? And every time I'd give a name, he'd say, no, I want to talk about you. You know, but you look at this sheep. We look at this sheep. We see the recognition. We see the hope. And so the shepherd finds a sheep, lays it on his shoulders, and, and calls his friends into rejoice. Now, I want to give you the third thing. One was that each sheep is of great value. Second thing is we're of great value because we're part of his flock. We belong to him. He gave his life for us. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. The third thing is this, and I've, um, I, I guess this just comes to me. And I shake my head and say, golly bum, be like Uncle Jim England. <laughs> he used to read some of those passages in scripture and Mr. England's gone home to be with the Lord a long time. But as a little kid, I growing up, he'd come out to the house and him and daddy would talk. And I can remember Uncle Jim saying, Clarence, it's in the Bible. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Third thing is this, it really doesn't matter what the wandering sheep did or why it strayed. What matters, and I think what Jesus is showing us in this story, is the extent the shepherd goes to to bring them home. Don't ever give up praying. You got, you got family. You got parents. 
You got kids, you got grandkids that are way away from where they need to be with the Lord. Don't give up. Never give up. We got a, we got a Savior with the heart of a shepherd. And he doesn't say, I got 99, I'm good enough with that. He said, it's not my will that any should perish or be lost. Wow. There's two gist to this, two prongs to this story. And I don't know, I mean, there's, a, there's the verse here in Luke that says, uh, that makes it look like that, uh, it seems as if that the lost sheep is, is a person who's never been saved. And that Jesus goes to any extent. That's what, that's what Kelly and Kevin, that's what our missionaries, the flags. Lisa's here. Uh, she was in the middle. You still back there, Lisa? Where are you? Malachi, did she leave? Either. Uh, Lisa, stand up. I want to do this. All right, now, Jeannie, stand, stand up right here. This, this is Jeannie Lindsay. Turn around and look back there. That's that girl. All right, thank you. Now, she's gonna, Lisa's going to come up to where you are after service, Jeannie. Okay, she's going to, Jeannie wants to meet her. All right, y'all can sit down. Lisa is, Lisa is leaving going to Thailand in August, end of August? Late, all right, September. And she, she's going to our missionaries. They go to share the gospel, the good news. All right, it's not his will that any perish. I see that very clearly. But I also see very clearly that this sheep was a part of his flock. He knew it. That chicken, that, that chicken I went looking for, and in the, in the, in the, we've got neighbors, uh, the Corbins, they got chickens, their chickens come over and just, you know, they'll, they'll feed around right in the edge of the, of the yard. And, and I've never seen them have, they've never went down in my swamp looking for my chickens. <laughs> and I've never went down in the swamp looking for glorious chickens. But I do mine. I do mine. Sometimes I get aggravated. That's me. That's not the Lord. But I'm thinking, the Lord knows that we're prone to nibble ourselves away from where we need to be. And oftentimes, rather than coming and hitting us with a stick, get yourself back in there, he'll come and pick us up and put us on his shoulders and carry us and say, oh, you're of great value to me. You're of great value to my flock. I love you. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, it's, 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 it's almost overwhelming. I, I, as, I, as I think about this, I think of the course, a lot of times that uh, the young people lead, it's called about your, your what, un- overwhelming, irresistible love that you would climb any mountain. You do all this for us. You do that because that's your heart. That's how much you love us. Father, take, take this story that you shared in your word and accomplish what you want to accomplish this morning. If you're here as a believer, maybe this morning and you've been, uh, you've, you've, you're, you're hurting. You've been hurting. Maybe Satan has been coming at you, bombarding you with those lies that you're of no value and that people don't even notice when you are there and probably wouldn't notice if you weren't. They're lies. But maybe Satan, maybe Satan has been feed them to you on a steady basis and, and you just are, are to the point where you're hurting and you, and you need to hear again that affirmation of love this morning know you're of great value to your Savior you're of great value to the flock and he wants to pick you up 
strengthen you and encourage you and bring you back where you need to be with him. Wow, what a savior. If that's you, it'd be great this morning. You know what you need to do. You can just say, Lord, that's, that's me. I've, I'm, I'm, I've been hurt here and I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me for losing sight of, of, of what value I am to you. Forgive me for forgetting how much you cared. Forgive me, Lord. You, you know how to pray. You pray. I do want to share this morning because it's very possible that there's someone here that you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And you're not part of, of that, that flock. He wants you to be. He said it's not His will that any should perish. And you can be in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His Son. And the way a lot of people do that is just with a simple prayer. It says, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And the song says this morning that, that He was buried and that He was raised again to life the third day and now lives forevermore. And Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart and life. Save me. Make me your child. Just, if that's your heart's desire, just let him know that this morning. Surely the altar is open. You can come here, but you can do that right where you're sitting. Just Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Now with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, asking Christ to come into your heart, Scripture encourages us to confess with our mouth or to make a profession that we've done that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that as people pray. And if you prayed that prayer and ask Christ to come to your life, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that. Ask Jesus to come into my heart forgive me. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. I see those hands and just put them right back down. It's between you and the Lord. It's a commitment to Him and He sees your hearts. But this is just an acknowledgement. This don't save you. This just acknowledges that you've prayed that prayer to the Lord and you trust His saving. Any others? God, we're so grateful this morning. We're so overwhelmed by your love. Just to, to be reminded of it in this picture, to be reminded of it in this story, it's so exciting how much you love us. Now, Lord, may we see that value and have be a church with a heart that's not content with the 99 of the here, but will never quit, give up seeking that one that's not here. In your name I pray. Amen.